announcement. The hemp revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. You can hear the stories of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating the business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game forever. Introducing your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. This is another badass rock star episode of The Hemp Revolution, where we are diving deep into the people pushing the industry forward, telling the stories that are transforming the way that we view and use hemp and cannabis-based products across America and actually around the world because we kind of got a global reach thing happening here, which is super cool. If you are a consumer looking for products that you can trust, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. If you are a business owner challenged with the many nuances of the industry, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. Happy to help however we can. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to Martel, who is an African-American male with a wide reach in the industrial hemp industry, owning hashtag Hempco Canna Boutique in Bishop Arts District, and is the first and only CBD company to be on the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce. So super cool. Can't wait to talk about that. Prior to the hemp market, he was the VP of sales in a solar company in Arizona before resigning to start a digital marketing agency in the summer of 2018. He has parlayed that company into almost a hundred thousand dollars in six months super successful there for those of you who would understand online marketing after marketing for an affiliate of one of the largest cbd franchises and affiliate franchises in the u.s and trying cbd himself he repurposed and repositioned his life in hemp utilizing and applying the practice to become an expert in the industry so while he is running a wholesale distribution company, is a hemp industry consultant for branding and marketing, and a published author, all of this comes on the heels of him being in prison just seven years ago. So we're talking to a badass convict turned cannabis. <laughs> so <laughs> turned. So <dang. laughs> it's crazy gangster right now. We're talking to a crazy gangster who is now marketing and selling CBD. Congratulations, Martel. Good to meet you and nice to have you on the show. <laughs> Pleasure to be on for real. Thank you for having me on, Sonia. I really do appreciate it. Um, look forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be good fun. Okay, so nothing like throwing that in there right at the very end to say like, yeah. I'm a badass. Don't worry about me. I'm handling my business as a minority in the cannabis space, which by the way is like, we're still fighting for our position in the front yeah. lines here. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm Hispanic. My father's from Argentina. My mom's from Greece. So I'm definitely considered a other minority. So it's incredible to be able to connect with you. And from the perspective of an African-American male who is pioneering and pushing this industry forward, super excited to hear how you made your transition 
into this space. But let's start back at seven years ago. How did you land yourself in prison? So I, I had a, um, I guess, non-traditional upbringing. I guess it was fairly traditional, but you know, just me and my parents just don't rock like that. And so my mom threw me out at 13 for actually smoking cannabis, which was hilarious. And so I was on the streets from pretty much 13 until I was an adult. And when you're in the streets at that age, you got to do street stuff, you know? And so that became part of my lifestyle is, is doing street stuff. And street stuff oftentimes is stuff that lends you in jail, you know? And so somewhere around, I guess, 23 or 24 or so, um, landed myself in, in prison with the, with the sentence after violation of probation. And it was actually the best thing that could have ever happened for me. I knew I had something inside of me that was different than everybody else, you know, something yeah. that I could definitely rely on, but I probably would have never utilized it or like really captured it or, or looked into that potential had I not went to prison and had two years to sit there just doom and just think about everything, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and so I taught myself a lot of stuff about finance while I was in there. I taught myself a lot of stuff about just, you know, reading positive mental health books and, 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 and just, you know, build my own self-equity up so that when I got out, I was in a mindset, not a victim mindset, but a mindset of uh, moving forward and that, you know, something like that's not going to hold me back. I love that. I absolutely love that. I had my run-in with the legal system myself. And I have to just say that, you know, in a lot of cases, there's, there's, our prisons are overloaded with folks who have similar unfortunate stories where as a consequence of their interest or influence, they test and try something out and don't have the acceptance or support from their family. And, and, yeah. and it's, instead of responding to a situation, a, a parent or you know, leadership position will react. And there's a big difference between responding and reacting and the reaction puts people out. And then what happens naturally for the human is we get into survival mode. We're like, what are we going to do to survive? So I completely understand. And it's a beautiful thing to see that, you know, that time out actually prepared you for the time that you're putting in now. I think that that's a really great way for you to put a spin on this. And I'm excited to find out what you've been doing over the last couple of years and how you made your transition into CBD. Awesome. I appreciate the fact that you appreciate that, Sonia, for sure. Yeah. It's good to always have somebody that kind of knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that's a good thing. For sure. So tell me a little bit about, I, you know, I read about your bio. I've been following you around. So many people are like, how did I end up on your podcast? And I'm like, well, I have minions. And we find out who you are, what you're up to. And then I go through and decide if I want to have you guys on the show. So I know you're doing some really cool stuff. I know you have done some cool stuff digitally, but what were you doing before that made you make the transition into the CBD space? Uh, like I said in the, in the, in the bio, I was, um, I sold door to door for about 10 years and I was like one of the top three or 5% of salespeople in the U S and in that given niche, I used to sell those little medical alert buttons. You know what I'm talking about? Like a fall night. Yeah, life alert. Yeah. And so I, I used to, I used to sell up. those to, uh, I mean, my favorite demographic on this whole planet is old ladies, right? Like me and old ladies are like this, like they love me. I love them. Like it's a thing <laughs> and we just get along off the rip. And so um, I was doing that for about 10 years and I kind of just mastered, uh, I studied under pretty much the Michael Jordan of that industry. I mastered personality-based sales and, and what that kind of meant as far as psych, I called you people pretty much. You yeah. Know? And so I, I was, after 10 years of doing that, I was just, I was drained, sick of it, couldn't do it anymore. And I just left, uh, went and got a position with the solar company that was a vice president of sales, really my dream job. And I 
felt like I kind of earned it. But when I got there, I don't know if you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. Yeah, hell yeah, I know who Gary V is. He's okay. a boss. Yeah, a straight boss. Yeah, and I was listening to way too much Gary V. And just uh, <laughs> he'll he'll make you quit your job quick. Like if you got any ambition, <laughs> you know. He'll make you quit your job fast. And I was like, oh, man, this is my dream job, though. I was like, Duh. next thing I know, I'm in my car, like, booking it back to Texas from Arizona. And so I got back here and uh, started a digital marketing company. I didn't even have a laptop at the time. So I had, like, an iPad. I had a, <laughs> my cell phone. I wasn't even on Apple yet. Like, I was just, like, bad, you know. But what I did know is that I had been researching enough for this digital marketing space that I kind of have a knack for finding out what's wrong and saying, oh, I can fix that, you know? I don't think you have to fix a whole wheel. I think you can just find out one little small part of that niche. I'm like, oh, but that's what, you know, we call it a pain point in sales, right? We find that one little pain point as a reason to have the sale, and, and then we expand that pain point. And so that's pretty much what I did with marketing. I just jumped in and saw that nobody was, nobody cares about your likes. Nobody cares about your, uh, <laughs> about your engagement, you know? Uh, all they care about is converting customers and getting money. And so if you can figure out how to do that, then you're ahead of all of these kids that have college degrees and digital marketing and yeah. you know, graphics and all that. And so that's what I did. I, I ended up finding out how to build funnels and converted to that. After that, I was marketing for a buddy of mine after doing pretty well. He was doing CBD. I didn't know what the hell that was. I thought it was a placebo. I'm like, I'm like, oh, CBD, right? I heard about that stuff, man. Way to get them, you know? Diet weed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. And so... I can't market anything unless I truly believe in it. That's always been one of my main principles. So I told him, I'm going to try this stuff out for a week. You know, if, if it works for me, then I'll market for you. If not, I can't touch it. And I tried it out. And the first time I took it, it was a water soluble. The first time I took it, I got from about 30 or 40 thoughts because my ADHD is just ridiculous. Like it's, it's debilitating, you know, like it's bad. And so I got from about 30 or 40 thoughts down to about like three or four. And I was like, oh my God, like this is what three or four thoughts feels like. I was like, Oh, I must be normal right now. You know? And uh, from that point on, like I said, I just, I repurposed everything. I changed my whole life. You know, I was like, everybody needs to know about this. I'm flagshipping it, you know, um, as many people as I can get it out to and decided to penetrate the market. Didn't know where, but I just knew that I had to get out of Texas because people were getting arrested here. They're shutting down stores. And so I went, spent some time in Colorado. I spent time in Oregon, just really just getting the information I needed, but solidifying the supply chain unknowingly, you know, to the back end. So when I got back here, I had a lower price point than everybody because I had built a relationship direct with manufacturer that we were exclusive. So I had a lower price point. I had a far superior quality product and I wasn't reselling anybody's goods. And then from that point, it's just doing what I know, which is branding. You know, I just branded myself as opposed to somebody else. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So in your research and development for somebody else, you decided to be like, let me go ahead and get in this myself. Yeah. Um, that's usually what it is. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I don't hate the player, hate the game. Uh, <laughs> um, so now you have your own product line. You're running your own store. Where are you located? What are you up to? What do you love most about your business right now? So I'm in a, um, a finite area of Dallas. It's a, it's a suburb outside of Dallas called Bishop Arts District. It's in a town called Oak Cliff, which is um, it's a up and coming. It's a really hipster style of area. I mean, it's expanding for a while. Oak Cliff was like kind of run down and then they just turned, they kind of Brooklyn did, you know what I mean? Like they kind of, uh, <laughs> they kind of Brooklyn a little bit, like a little bit of genocide here and some, just some <laughs> here, you know, and then, uh, you know, and, and listen, I'm not pro, I'm not pro genocide by any means whatsoever, but it's, it doesn't suck for business. Right. And so 
like there's a 50 50 level there that you got to kind of be on you know and so that's what they've kind of done here but they've kept the culture it's a really strong spanish culture here and they've kept it intact to the t which i i can i can get behind 120 percent you know my next door neighbors are taqueria then I have a, a, a acupuncture specialist on the left side of me, you know? Hell yeah, so, that's a good location. It's pretty cool. I like it because we've established a brand. I knew when I got into retail, which I wasn't planning on doing, but I knew if I was going to get there, I wasn't going to do what everybody else was doing, right? Yeah. There's too many smoke shops. There's too many vape shops, gas stations, just BS spaces like that, just selling CBD that is super, super low grade. Um, they could be selling top shelf CBD and still nobody's grandmother wants to go there and buy that, you know? Yeah. They don't want to go somewhere where it's that type of aesthetic, that type of crowd. I'm pro cannabis, but I don't smoke pot personally. And so I just wanted to build somebody that somewhere that was uh, family safe, pet friendly, and has a great shopping experience that you can feel relaxed in and actually answer or ask the questions that you want to ask and not feel rushed out of there. Uh, feel like you're getting gen- not just generic information, but you're getting accurate information. And yeah. there's no place better than that than a boutique. I mean, you're, you're a woman. I'm sure you shop at boutiques all the time, you know, and if you do, like, you know what it feels like inside a boutique, you know? Yeah. Well, it feels transformational versus transactional. Like in a lot of, a lot of places are like, you know, talk to you about, and the energy, like I had a friend of mine say when, when uh, he's one of the top, like copywriters on the web for cannabis and hemp campaigns multiple seven figures for each one of his clients on a monthly basis incredible incredible guy and one of his posts said people can smell desperation and it was like this whole explanation around like how one approaches the sale and you know they say show up with value but if you're desperate it's hard to show up ready to give when you're ready to get you know, so there's a big difference when you walk into a retail setting where like, you know, you're fixing to spend some money. Otherwise, like you're window shopping, you know, yeah. and just burning some time. I'm not really a window shopper. So, but I will not buy something if I feel like that chick is like hanging something up over here. Like just because I'm standing there, I'm like, girl, you know, you didn't yeah. need to come over here with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, it's transactional. You know, yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, I just, you know, I just so happened to have this jacket. And I'm like, girl, no, you didn't. That jacket's on the other side of the. (laughs) If you want to show me a jacket, come over and say, I got the jacket for you as opposed to uh, like hanging this thing. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Oops. Look at that. That's dandy. So I I get it. And yeah. So I, it's transactional, but like a transformational experience is somebody who like, really cares about you and where you're at and is interested in, you know, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And like, whether you're buying clothes or CBD, it doesn't really matter. The experience is still the same where like the experience is designed for you and that's transformational. You feel good about the money that you're spending and you have confidence in Mm. what you're picking up and you feel like you have some competence on how to wear the thing or how to use the thing, you know? So I think that there's a big difference like big box versus boutique shopping, I way prefer the boutique. Yeah. And it's been difficult because with CBD um, in itself, it's been, you know, when you're the first can of boutique, like in an area, right? People all assume that CBD right now is the same. The lack of education is a big problem on, on everybody's end. It starts with the, with the retailers and the, and the people, you know, online product, because either they're out to get somebody or they're just not that educated themselves. And so they're passing on. 
you know, bad information. But then there's people just not doing their due diligence. They think if they pick something up at 7-Eleven, you know, if they pick some hemp bombs up at 7-Eleven, uh, then they can, uh, you know, rock with that. And there's going to be the exact same thing that you would get from somewhere else. And the, the level of CBD difference is, it's just vast, you know, um, in terms of quality of product. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. Although I am seeing a lot of my clients who, because um, I run, I run a high-level ma- business mastery group with CBD and cannabis companies, and a lot of the things that we work on is like how to infiltrate mainstream distribution channels, right? So I'm seeing a lot of the brands that were otherwise created specifically for an online marketplace and have CBD written all over them and so on and so forth, they're starting to switch up their branding and creating a second style brand to cater to the convenience store shopper. And my question has always been this. Why Why am I not in that group is my question. Oh, well, you can be. I'll, I'll welcome you in. Um, Thank you. I was going to say, like, come on now. <laughs> I'll welcome you in. It's a, it's a really cool group. You know, we focus on really four areas of the industry. Number one is compliance and stabilized supply chain. Two yes. is marketing and advertising, how to effectively, you know, monetize both on and offline and all of the different ways you can do that. Diversify yeah. your revenue streams. Third is banking and merchant processing. And then finally is distribution. So those are the areas that we focus in on. And we have folks that are like just getting started and folks who are like have international distribution. And it's a cool mix of people that we're all like collaboratively working together to self-govern how this industry is growing, you know, because right now we're a self-governing industry. There's nobody out there telling us what the rules are. So we got to hold each other accountable. Yeah. I'd love to be a part of that group. I feel like there's some value I could take out of it as well as some value I could put into it. Heck yeah. yeah, If I can get in there for sure, for sure, for sure. Like I said, it's retail is its own beast, you know, like for, for a guy that's never done a done boutique retail before. Yeah. Like, Oh my gosh. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I I knew what I was thinking, but like, I don't know why I was thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you, uh, one of the things, (laughs) one of the things that's true all the time and nobody is free from it. It doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong answer in this thing. Like everybody is just like, there's no new ideas. We're only innovating and specializing. Um, We're innovating. Yeah, we're innovating things that have already been existence for a long time. So, you know, retail, online, offline, big box, like it doesn't matter. It's everybody's just going at it and seeing where they can get in right now because we're so brand new. Like you just got to move. You just got to make moves. And no Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty much do what you can before the FDA comes out and says everything's cool. Because when they say everything's cool, Starbucks is coming out with their stuff. You know, uh, Nestle's already got... 50 farms across the U.S. Like there's going to be CBD everything. So if you're not building your personal brand right now and your brand isn't strong enough to make past these ginormous corporations, every corporation you fear now, they're coming after you. As soon as FDA says, hey, we're good. You can put everything in food and drink. They're like, ah, it's a wrap. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's never been more true. So it's a really delicate timing right now because, you know, how you position and partner 
to elevate your brand and position in the marketplace is so super valuable right now. I'm watching clients of mine that I was in touch with in the, you know, in their first year of business sell out for, you know, 90 plus million right now. So people are making these eight and nine figure exits in their companies. And what you do now is going to position you for what you're able to do later. Dollar Shave Club is a really excellent example of that. They started out conceptually. And once they got their subscriber list built up where they could show the value of each customer, which was at 33 bucks, they were able to hit that billion dollar valuation and continue to raise the capital that they needed to grow and expand. So there are ways for you to position yourself both on and offline, but it's all around building the brand. So let me ask you this question. We started to touch on it a little bit, but I'd love to hear your perspective from a retail owner. And then also with your knowledge and expertise of marketing online, um, what are some of the key challenges that an entrepreneur faces when they're looking at jumping into the CBD space? So from an entrepreneur and taking my, removing myself from the marketing aspect of it, if I was just jumping in green, the challenge is always going to be um, obviously, Facebook and Google censorship is a thing right now in the cannabis industry period, mm-hmm. which due to my marketing background, I found some ways to get around it. But you got to you got to be inept and you got to be able to do the research. I, I find that not enough people's business plan is strong enough. Right. They're so happy that they get a distribution chain. Right. That they get a distributor that's going to give them a, a mediocre price and that the, the product doesn't suck totally. They're so happy then, and then they want to get into the build-out, and the build-out costs this, this, and that. And so they think that's the only part of their business plan that needs to be developed. And if you're not dumping 30% of your business plan into marketing right now, the days of being able to put a flag down somewhere and saying, hey, I'm here, I don't want a CBD shop, and everybody flooding into your store, those days are gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Like Because now people are just educated enough. They're not educated at all, but they're just educated enough to know to stay away from places as opposed to going in there and checking out and knowing what to ask, you know? And so the public stigma is probably going to be, I'd say the first one, you know, because I realize now there's two stigmas. I thought there was just the older crowd that was, um, you know, just not sure if it's going to get them high or not sure if they're going to fail a drug test, but there's a younger crowd stigma that is way thick. It might be thicker than that one of these people that, you know, they, they smoke weed. And so they're like, oh, well, I smoked the other. I don't need that. And it's like, weed doesn't have any medical benefits whatsoever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a thing. It's, it's literally not a thing unless it has CBD inside of it. And so, I mean, you can get you hungry. Well, let me, yeah, let me, I, I want to speak to that really quick because I think that you're hitting on something that's super important, but I want to make sure that the information is accurate. I've been in yeah. this space for a hot minute. And in the old heads, call it diet weed. For a long time, everybody was calling hemp diet weed. And when you look at it, when like when it really comes down to like life altering or life threatening conditions, having the full plant, like hemp is cannabis, but with the CBD bread or like the CBD beefed way up. So it's genetically modified in a lot of cases. There's really three types. There's the industrial hemp, which is super fibrous. There's this new hybrid of hemp that's being developed specifically for its CBD content. And then there's cannabis, which is the original form of any of these other things that in fact is extremely medicinal. um, But again, is like in today's generation is like alien weed. It's been 
blown out, genetically modified to have these crazy high THC levels. And yeah. so it's increasing anxiety. It's increasing couch lock. It's increasing appetite. Couch we're going to have ourselves, we're going to have ourselves some fat stoners here in a minute because yeah. we got yeah. munchies on for it. Like it's just, yeah. it's just going next level. So I do think that you're absolutely right though. Gone are the days where the miseducation or misunderstanding or lack of confidence in cannabis or hemp. It's not just with the baby boomer crowd anymore. There's this whole side with the millennial crowd who are quite frankly, know-it-alls. Okay. Y'all are know-it-alls. Don't lie to me when I say, but like, I got my like 17 year old kid trying to tell me some shit about some cannabis and CBD. And I'm like, dog, <laughs> okay i hear you and read this you know yeah. so you guys are like y'all are millennials are confident man and you're cocky and you think you know everything there's a lot there's so much information out there but the, i find that these this hipster stuff is crazy right yeah it's they well they pride themselves on all of the education and information that they have but they still have uncertainty like they have to pick one or the other and what is in fact true is that you know using cannabis so heavily is actually blowing out your endocannabinoid system when you could use a hemp-based derivative to nurture and nourish your endocannabinoid system, which will actually make your central and peripheral nervous system function at a higher level. You can absorb and retain information better. Your memory is better. Your immune system will increase and be better. I mean, all different kinds of things. So cannabis has its place. And if you have a life-altering condition or life-threatening condition using cannabis derivatives are probably going to be better for you. Whereas a full spectrum hemp plant that allows for all of the essence of the plant to be represented in the panel of when you're testing THC, chlorophyll, and all of these other cannabinoids, it is extremely beneficial for you to have the two. But amongst the old heads, it's weed versus diet weed. And amongst the millennials, it's like, oh, I use cannabis. I don't need to use hemp. Yeah, I just don't, I don't like that at all. And it's good to see somebody that's, you know, knowledgeable as far as the industry goes, because it's like the benefits of what's to be had and what's not to be had are far misunderstood by a lot of people. And it's, it's such a potent form. I like to think of it like radiation, right? Yeah. If you go and get chemo, it's effectively killing you. Like chemo is really unhealthy for you. Um, it quote unquote gets rid of cancer, which it doesn't at all, but it's still unhealthy for you. Whereas if you go out in the sunlight, that radiation, that little bit of radiation gets you a nice little tan. You feel great about yourself. It energizes you. That's how I look at CBD. And so when you get these people that are shopping, you know, isolate like it's an uh, awesome superior product out here and it's the purest form and it's like, no, get off that. It's one of those things, we just need to have a proper proportion of everything, like you said. You know, if you get too highs on your highs or too lows on your lows, it's funny because the same people that are out here saying that I smoke the other, I don't need that, are still taking pills for ADHD. They're taking pills for depression and anxiety. And it's like, well, you know, if you're yeah, using it, well, you're treating those things. There's a big contrast between people who are looking at it and using it medicinally versus recreationally. And I think that there's a movement right now where recreational users are becoming more in tune with the benefits of using it medically. Um, and so I definitely went through that transition. I used to, I'm ADD, I'm ADHD. It yeah. compromised so much during my education of formative years. 
because I was unmedicated and undiagnosed, but I knew that there was something quote unquote wrong that was not being managed properly. So I heavily medicated with cannabis to, you know, sort of do damage control around my ADD and ADHD. And as I have grown and matured, the chemistry of my body with, like you said, the high highs and the low lows, like the whole purpose of using cannabis and hemp-based products is to bring things into balance. And if you are still chemically throwing your body off with pharmaceuticals and all of these other chemical things, it's going to be pretty difficult for you to achieve what you're actually looking for, which is a balanced, even keel on, you know, your hormones, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your sleep, your stress management, all of these different things. So the ultimate goal is like, how do we bring things back into balance when you like had a long day at work and you come home and crack a beer or light a blunt or whatever it is, like, you're just looking to get back to normal. Like everybody's the same. Everybody just wants to feel normal. But what is that? We're so chemically infused right now. Like yeah. that it, it's hard to even know what normal feels like. So yeah. we never say, felt that way because we're naturally deficient. So yeah, I'm yeah. going with you. Yeah, yeah. I like it. absolutely. I, so, I, I sound, we sound like each other a lot. Like whenever I'm out doing public speaking events, it's right there. Like I, I just say it's the exact same stuff that I say as well too. I like it a lot. So that's good. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's, it's good fun, you know, and a lot, a lot of my focus has been in education, period. I think that's the biggest hole in our industry. Everybody's so concerned about products that we forget that there's a people behind the products that have an incredible story that keep them on the mission to service in the first place. But yeah. secondarily, like, people don't care about products. They, what they want to know is, will this work for me? And why should I pick this over the Tylenol or the aspirin that me and my mom and my grandmother have been using for generations. Like I need a new mindset that will embrace this new method of healing and self-care, you know? So like I've focused a lot on education because I'm like, y'all don't know shit. And (laughs) so let me, let me find the people who, who do know something and talk to them about it. And let me find the people who do have confidence and experience here because I'm tired of like walking around numb and I don't need to have the answers to everything, but I do need to feel curious enough to search for the information I don't have. So education is a huge, huge part of it because I believe with competence, one can establish confidence and with confidence can properly represent or create a mission and create a movement from that position of power, purpose, passion, you know, and that will in turn create profitable business. So let me ask you this, um, understanding the challenges both on and offline, how have you positioned your company to overcome some of those things and and as you build and grow in your community? So in my community, I've established a lot of B2B relationships. I was doing some brokering and things of that nature, but I didn't come back knowing that I was going to do I have a distribution company, right? I just came back knowing that I've been out there hanging out with doctors, scientists, manufacturers, and and top-end brokers for like six months. And so I just knew what they knew. When I got back, I found out that everybody in Texas is like light years behind all that. Like they've been sitting here like calling people on the phone trying to get, you know, uh, $30, $250 tinctures, you know. At that point in time, I was, I opened up and like I said, retail smacked me in the face pretty hard. I mean, it smacked me real hard. I almost had to shut down my first month, you know, because it hit me just super, super heavy. What happened? Um, Tell me about it. Because, you know, I'm asking because... You know, I mean, retail is literally its own beast. You know, every business that I've owned, I've done very well at in a short amount of time, but they didn't require the amount of detail, and a high level of detail that goes into owning a uh, 
a physical space. And then when you start talking about boutiques, you start talking about having to manage everything as far as your marketing goes, as far as this and that. And I opened up with pretty much 20 of my own capital and like 10 of a, another or 15 of another investor. Yeah. But I really made 50 and I had one of my investors drop out because me and my previous partner split up and he was slandering me. So they dropped out of 10. And so I, I opened this place under budget and I just kind of was fighting that the whole way through, you know? Just yeah, that that's makes- a tough one being undercapitalized and not really knowing like exactly what you need to accomplish what it is that you're set out for. Yeah. And then the marketing was, you know, I had to go back into a level of marketing that I hadn't done before because everything now is so digital that you can get anything done you need to online. I had to go back to to methods of marketing I had never done because I didn't have the degree. I didn't have the, you know, I was self-taught. And so I was pretty much throwing, you know, shit at a wall and watching it, trying to make it stick and seeing what worked. But that all requires a lot of capital when you start talking about physical print ads and, and going to different um, uh, pop-up shops and things of that nature. It all requires a lot of bit of capital that if you don't have the traffic flow quite off the top there, it's in your pocket, you know? And so it was a quite the learning experience, but I look at it now because I have an online course I'm getting ready to debut now that kind of walks you step through step through that. And I always appreciate the grind because the grind is anytime you can go through something and have that experience is better than those people that just sit around like talking heads, you know? And so when you teach something, you learn it twice as well. And so the goal is always to have three of these shops and that goes by proof of concept and then start affiliating out. Um, not franchise is too big of a tax burden, but the affiliate aspect of it was always very nice to me because the aesthetic here is it's perfect. People don't know that I was, I was hurting, you know, <laughs> that first month. And so it, it was, it was really cool. And so I think what I did position myself was out of necessity, I started building B2B relationships. I started looking for these um, personal trainers, a lot of yoga instructors around here, acupuncture, chiropractors, all these companies that are going to have CBD in their stuff really soon, even if they don't know it or not, you know, and I want to be the first one there, but I, I built it because it was the local presence here in Bishop Arts is a really support local type of area. Like if you live here, you don't really leave here. They are big on supporting local business. So I kind of parlayed that into some relationships where I can, you know, hit some of these pop-up shops and see these women making these beautiful bath bombs and, and candles and this and that, but they don't have any CBD and never heard of it before. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's my card. Uh, let me turn you on to some ice real quick or whatever you're going to use to, you know, craft your product. And so I've cultivated and started building up some entrepreneurs, but I've also implemented, my, implemented myself into some businesses that are going to help me with the distribution company. The whole thing is a, is a transformation from, yeah, I want the, the boutique to be doing very well and I want to have many of these, but the distribution is going to be my avenue, right? If I grow somebody from start to finish, it's usually a thing, so... I love it. What are three pieces of advice that you can offer a new entrepreneur while they're considering their entry into the, into the space? Don't rush it. Do your due diligence, do your work. 10 out of 10 people right now are not doing their work. You know, they, they get it. They want to make one phone call. They find somebody giving product and they're in there. Everything they have ceases in terms of information at that point. And they just want to sell product and they're giving out inaccurate information while it's sexy in the short run long-term you're done, right? When they start dropping these real regulations here in the next couple of weeks, you're really done because that manufacturer that's out there shopping for you, he's probably going to be done. And so you want to do your research. You want to um, focus more so on quality than anything. Right now, people don't really know enough to know that a quality of product is important. They're okay with going to, you know, these American shamans and, and, and just these garbage, <laughs> these garbage places that like are not all natural. They're not what they advertise. Um, it's, it's temporary. All the Amazon stuff, it's all temporary. It's going to be gone really quickly. 
and then the quality is going to be the only thing that people care about. It's going to be back to all this organic. Every grocery store now has an organic aisle, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I would say is don't focus on the money. Like don't try to get out there and sell people. Like if you give enough away for free, you're going to get it back fourfold. Your key when you open your business shouldn't be seeing if I can go here and make this amount of money. It should be seeing how many independent living facilities I can visit and give them free education. It should be uh, trying to get on my chamber of commerce so that I can give more free information. It should be on my website being informationally based, not just a bunch of pictures that, uh, you know, that, that show my product. Just have your product on your online. I'm not saying don't, but make sure that people know whether they know the education of CBD is important or not. Make sure that they know that you're putting that effort in. So when they do know, they'll know what to respect. And they'll be like, oh, that guy's always been doing that. He's always had his QR codes on his, on his, on his uh, labels before, you know? He's always had his COAs hanging out. He's always told us about terpene blends. And then they'll, they'll come back and they'll, they'll respect you more for it. Like I said, it's not sexy right now, but we're playing a long-term game here. A lot of people think it's a short one. It's not. Yeah, love that. I think I would piggyback on there for today's words of wisdom. I think I would throw back on there and just to piggyback a little bit on what you were saying. Um, get in not to fit in, but to be different. And I, like I said, there's no new ideas. Your approach really has to be around innovating the existing infrastructure so that it becomes personalized and unique to you. If you get in trying to do a Me Too product, you're going to end up losing the race because, you know, what is done is already done. And yep. the only difference is that there's CBD in it now. The second thing is I would recommend that you guys stop looking at CBD as the end all be all and start looking at it as one ingredient that is hosted in a medicinal plant. Yeah. And once you start to recognize that there are also CBG and THCA and CBN and all of these other buzzword cannabinoids, you're going to start to be able to innovate and future pace with the industry rather than just diving into a fad. Don't get yeah. into business to be a part of a trend, set the trend that you want to be a part of. And then the final thing is collaborations and partnerships, although are a delicate start, are the strongest way to finish. How you align yourself in your business and in your industry right now, and this is transferable no matter what kind of business or industry that you're a part of. There's a, an opinion that says more partner, more problems, but there's also a side of this where you have to learn how to partner up instead of partnering down. Do your due diligence and find out who is doing the what that you want to be a part of and perhaps you don't offer right now and find a way to marry the two so that you have a better, um, higher value, more well-rounded company and organization and yeah. team of people so that you can really play to your genius. There is okay. no sense in doing the things that deplete your energy. Everything that you do on a daily basis has to be a source of nourishment and excitement for you as a person. Otherwise, you'll experience entrepreneurial burnout way faster than you should. Yeah. Everything that you do has to be in alignment with your natural strengths, your natural talents, you know, who you are and what you love and, and you'll never work a day in your life. If you are making the corporate to cannabis jump, it's an opportunity for you to to do things differently than you ever taught to be done. 
And you have to relearn and re-educate yourself. A really powerful resource for that is The Millionaire Master Plan, excellent book by Roger James Hamilton. Talks yeah. about how to leverage the power of the universe to be in flow. So you're working with the grain and not against the grain. Those are my golden nuggets for the day. Hope you enjoyed. Any final words of wisdom before we end today's interview? No, I guess uh, some shameless plug, I guess it worked too. Uh, follow me at uh, <laughs> hashtag. No, go ahead. Yeah, please yeah, do. I'm, Where can I'm, they follow I'm you? not really huge on it, but I'm, I'm always the worst one. Like I, I never take pictures when I go anywhere. Like I always forget my business cards places, but like my hey, stuff's don't cool. Don't tell people that before you're telling them to follow you. <laughs> 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 my, my, my stuff's cool and so it, it's definitely forward thinking and so follow us at, uh, at hashtag hempco if you're getting into the industry and you uh, are looking for a, a viable well-conditioned and responsible socially and environmentally responsible uh, distributor take a look at us at a green brothers uh, distribution for sure and, and by all means just do what you're going to do don't let anybody else control what you're going to do just do what you're going to do whether you fail or not is irrelevant you can fail a thousand times just to get to the one that you need to, and you're gonna you're gonna rock it for sure. Everything's big, and, and keep your chakras in line for sure. Get up to stay up. <laughs> I love it. Uh, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate you being on our show today. Can't wait to follow your journey. What an exciting time this is. Congratulations on all of your success. Thank you for having me on for sure. Um, make sure to put me in that group too, and let's talk so often. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. Stick with me one, for one second while we're saying ciao to all of you guys who are tuning in today. Thanks so much for your time and attention and being a part of this amazing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your hostess with the most is Sonia Gomez, and we'll check you on our next episode. Peace out for now. <laughs>